Hi, I'm Jerry Gerard, and I'm not immortal, but neither are you. Hey, when I came up with the idea for this podcast, I was thinking more around the idea of living within the constraint that is our limited lifespan, our mortality. I never really considered it to be about immortality. And in fact, I really didn't think that many people were seriously considering efforts towards immortality, but I was wrong. I came across an article in Quartz, I'll uh, refer to a link to it in our show notes, about all the different people in uh, Silicon Valley who are spending a tremendous amount of time and money around just that concept where they're trying to figure out biohacks to make sure that we don't age as quickly or that we live to, by some estimates, 150, by some estimates, 250, which just seems just to be way too much time. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if I, I know my 401k is not ready for that. So I think, uh, and then there was that, that was one part of it. And then there was another part of it around, okay, well, maybe our bodies won't last that long, but at what point can we transfer our, you know, a lot of our bodily functions into more mechanisms, more robot type things, and just keep our consciousness perpetually. And if you're a Black Mirror fan, you'll know that there's an episode called San Junipero. I believe it won, I don't know, an Emmy or whatever, whatever TV shows win. Uh, and it's an absolutely, it's absolute joy of a, tele, of a television episode. And, you know, if you haven't watched the series and you want to be slightly depressed about the near future, I highly recommend it. And also, if like me, you grew up in the 80s, it's an absolute joy to watch this show. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. So I was actually kind of surprised that this kind of activity exists. And part of me wonders how much of that is going to be reserved for the super rich or the well-to-do. So we'll have a class of people who are cyborgs and super beings, and then there'll be the rest of us, which is a, a kind of a sociological thought I hadn't considered before now. So um, that's one thing this week. Uh, the other thing is I, uh, I interviewed my daughter last week who uh, completely uh, uh, proved that she's the person that should be on the microphone more than me. But I'm going to continue the keeping it in a family vibe while I'm kind of getting... Uh, while we're getting this thing started, and I'm going to make probably the biggest mistake of my life by uh, interviewing my wife, who uh, in uncensored form can tell you pretty much whatever she wants. So uh, uh, my wife's name is Alexis, and uh, here's my conversation with her. I don't really hear myself any more than I would normally hear my own voice. Come closer. Hello. Oh, yes. Now I can hear myself. Uh, Hold on. It's turned up pretty far. Try again. Yep. Now I can hear myself. Not, not so much here. I have to be leaning over like that. Huh. Can you hear me through the headphones? Yes. That's a dog. <laughs> so, so the question everybody gets asked is the same. Are you going to die? Sadly. Actually, it's not sad, but yes. Yes, I am. Well, why is it not sad? Well, it would be sad if I didn't because, you know, it's not the natural order of things. So I hope that I live a nice long life and then go when I'm supposed to go. In the uh, the part of the of the show before the interview part, I talked about an article I read this morning about how people are trying to live to 150, mm. 250, or maybe forever using the help of robotic mm. bodies. 
would you want that? Would you want to be able to live to 150 given your, with your current body, assuming they could do biohacks and things like that? I suppose if everybody was doing it and and it was a normal thing to do, then possibly, but I certainly wouldn't want to be the only person doing it. I mean, Why? I wouldn't want to go on for a hundred years past my loved ones. I mean, maybe there would be grandchildren and great-grandchildren, etc. but it's hard to imagine outliving everybody by that long, everybody who's important to me and the world as I know it. It doesn't seem natural. Yeah, I, I had surmised that only rich people would be able to do it, so there'd be this mm. rich, everlasting class and this poor, regular mm. class. I think the eccentric would be attracted to that Maybe in the same way that people want to clone their dogs. Like I heard that Barbara Streisand just paid some outrageous sum of money to have her dog cloned. Is that true? I think so. Uh, I mean, I read it in uh, the Enquirer. So I'm just more I'm more excited <laughs> about about without any extra work being able to put my own brain on the body of the rock. Mm, that could be an interesting combo. Um, Brains and brawn all rolled into one. So, so the fact that you are basically recognizing that you have a finite number of days. Does that, does that have any impact on a random Thursday or Saturday? Or is it something you only think about once every two months, six months, a year? That's a tough question to answer. I think it's more present in my thought process these days since in the last several years I've lost loved ones. My stepdad passed away a few months ago. My aunt died exactly a year ago. And my grandmother died a few years before that. Um, so it's more, you know, present in my thoughts and I'm more conscious of it, especially turning 50 this year. It's a milestone birthday. You've just turned 50. We have a kid Don't turning 21 people. this year. It's like these big milestone events are happening around us. So I think those things cumulatively make me just more aware that, yeah, days are numbered and you don't know how many you've got. It could be 10, it could be, you know, 30 years or more, who knows? But, um, I wouldn't say it factors into my decision of, you know, whether or not I should eat this cookie or take this <laughs> road home for a change of pace, but it definitely makes me want to do things on my bucket list more like that, you know, that list we made on the fridge several years ago, we've only checked off like two or three things and there's got to be like, you know, 25 things on there. Yeah, we learned how to ballroom dance and that was kind of fun and maybe we'll get back to that and we wanted to visit Europe and we did, but I think we want to do that like 10 more times. Um, yep. You know, renting an RV and trying that out is coming up in a couple of weeks. So I think I feel like I need to take bigger actions. But sometimes those little things become the big things. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I think about it more than I realized. Is it the recent deaths that's made you think more about doing bucket list things? Or is it your age? Or is it both? I think it's both. I wonder sometimes if those people who passed away got to do the things that they wanted to do. And if they felt like they had accomplished whatever they had set out to, or if they left their mark, or whatever it is, um, you know, that they had hoped to do with their lives. I mean, they certainly made huge impressions on all of us, so by my measure, they were wildly successful. But I don't, I don't know. I think in part of it, too, is turning 50. It's a big number, and I'm not afraid to turn 50. I'm pretty happy with my life and how I look and what I'm able to do with my body and my friends and my family. Like, I feel like this is a good time. And I feel like I'm not sure I'd want to rewind the clock and be in my 20s again or my 30s. Like 40s were pretty good, all things considered. My outlook has changed and I feel better about myself. And I think I'm willing to take more risks. Um, 
But again, that might just be because I realize, ooh, I don't have unlimited time left to do that. It's a different outlook than when you're 18. You you, uh, you told a, a story about your grandmother when she was who made it into her 90s, if I'm not mistaken, about she, if I remember correctly, she didn't feel like she was done yet, even though she had more time than most of us get. Oh, she wasn't right? done even on her deathbed. She mm-hmm. was literally within a day or two of dying, and we all knew it. But she said, "I'm. when am I getting out of this hospital? I need to go <laughs> horseback riding, and there's so much I want to do, and I'm not ready to go yet. It was yeah. It was hard to hear because she just wasn't ready to let go. And we weren't necessarily ready to let her go either. But something I read... I don't know, maybe a year ago or so. Um, I don't know who it's attributed to, but it, the quote was something like that being afraid of dying is to be afraid of living or to be afraid to die, something like that, is to be afraid to live. And so I jumped off a cliff last summer. My cousin Donna and I went out to La Jolla to bury my aunt, and I wanted her to go to the hang gliding port because it was such a neat place to just hang out and watch people jump off the cliff. And we got up there, and she was just floored at how incredible and beautiful and majestic it was to see these people flying around. And she just kept saying, wow, this is so freaking cool, and oh, my God, this is so amazing. And I looked at her, and I was like, do you want to do it? Because you can do it there. You know, you just pay for an hour, and you go with an instructor tandem, and they, you know, jump off a cliff with you. And so she's like, I don't know. Do you want to do it? And I was like, well, I don't know. Do you want to do it? And then suddenly we had signed up and we were doing it. And an hour later we were back in the car and it was exhilarating. And I don't know that if I had really thought too hard about it or hemmed and hawed or anything like that, that I would have actually done it. But I literally jumped off a cliff within 20 minutes (laughs) getting there. And it was probably the scariest and most wild, surreal rewarding fantastical thing i have ever done and i just replay those moments in my mind just it was like being in a dream and if i had realized that a year from that point somebody would have died doing pretty much what i was doing i might have changed my mind that just happened like two weeks ago in the news somebody died right there two hang gliders um i don't know i I remember thinking to myself i'm going to text jerry real quick and then turn off my phone (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> he'll talk me out of it or he'll say don't do it <clears throat> jumping off a cliff bye that's pretty much what i did going paragliding now okay bye um but you you weren't you weren't um you know discouraging of me doing it and you didn't say oh be careful you just said okay have fun let me know when you're finished maybe you were too busy at work to really think oh wow my wife could die but anyway i did it and i'm glad that i did it and it was pretty uh, empowering to to do something scary like that that was really big so now, now that you have this kind of wisdom that comes with not only loss, but with being a little bit older, and given the fact that kids never take any advice we give them, what, what, would you, what do you wish you could impart to your kids that you wish you had known when you were their age? Take more chances. Absolutely. Just try. And if you fail, so what? You can try again or do something else. But don't do cookie cutter stuff unless of course that's where your heart is i mean you know if you want <laughs> to get out there a, and make movies make then go, go to film school and do it and if you want to be a performer put yourself out there and do it you know don't think oh i'm never going to be successful or i'm not good enough or smart enough for that just try just get out there and try it. you know i stayed in the same job for 22 years and for a while i was really happy there I think it was a great fit for me. I loved it. I felt a lot of satisfaction making connections with kids and just really felt like I was making a difference. And I did for a long time. 
And then one day I wasn't happy anymore. And I realized I'd been sitting still for too long. And the thought of changing to a new mm. location was so overwhelming. And I just hemmed and hawed. And I was so nervous and scared about it. And even something as simple as just, you know, just apply for the other jobs. And if you don't get them, okay, fine. And then if you do get it, you can think some more about it and make your mind up then. That was just, that process was just overwhelming. But then I got the job and I moved and I did it. And it was great. And if somebody told me again that I needed to move now, it's been two years, I would say no problem. I'm not like scared to do it anymore. It's like just take those chances and take those risks and you might surprise yourself. You yeah, might land on your feet. You had to jump off the proverbial career cliff. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I did. Because the days become weeks rather easily, it's easy to just lose track of a day that becomes a week and so on. Do you do anything or do you have any tricks or anything you do? Do you have anything in your repertoire that basically says, you know, I, I'm going to hang on to today, I'm going to remember today, or I'm going to make sure I get the most today? Do you have any 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 tips or hacks that you have that, that might help others? Well, I don't know if I have any secrets, but, um, you know, about how to do that. But I do have a line a day journal that you guys gave me for Christmas like four years ago, and it's a five-year book. And so that's been really great because I just jot down one memorable thing from each day. And it helps me, you know, in future years to look back and, and remember things that I might have otherwise forgotten. But I do try to catalog and take notice of special things that I really enjoy or standout moments. There was one time in a grocery store where some song came on that Peter and I both really loved. And he stopped what he was doing in the middle of the aisle and started dancing with me and twirling me around in the middle of the potato chip aisle. <laughs> You know, it was just such a great moment because he's a teenager. And how many teenagers, A, want to hang out with their parents, or B, will dance with them in the middle of the grocery store where their friends shop, where yep. neighbors might see you. It was just so amazing to me that he would give me that kind of attention and enjoy doing it. I don't know. I try to carve out little things that, you know, will set days apart and maybe, um, you know, do something different than I would normally do. And, oh, yeah, that was the day that we drove this way home or, you know, ate at this restaurant or whatever. Just try to set it apart from everything else because sometimes the days really just are carbon copies. It's hamster wheel, you know, over and over and over and over again. Um, but, no, I don't really have any, you know, secret tricks up my sleeve. Yeah, the diary is a cool one because you could probably go back and say, that was a year ago? Feels oh, like it happens was 20 to me minutes ago. all the time. Do you, I find that at the older I get, the less I care about what anybody else thinks. Do you Is find that, that why for you, you go as running well? in Florida with socks on your hands? <laughs> well, because I'm trying to attract the ladies. Um, no, but I'm just saying I find that How'd the older that I get, the, not well. <laughs> the, I find the older I get, the less I care about what people may think of how I dress or how I look or how I behave. Back to your potato chip story, although. Although Peter gets full credit for being uh, brave at, you know, 18, whereas I would have been mortified probably. So kudos to him. But do you find that you also care less about how you're perceived? Or do you think you're still like, I wonder if I look like a dummy or if I wonder if people think that I don't know what I'm doing? Do you still have that as you get older? I have less of it than I used to have. I think I can more reasonably evaluate myself or my performance and say, you did a good job. You tried your best and just not put too much thought into it after that. You know, sometimes at a staff meeting or any group gathering where I'm just sitting around and, you know, your brain starts to wander a little bit, you know, you can really look around and see that nobody's really paying attention to what anybody else is doing. And yep. even if the presenter makes a mistake, it's not like it's going to be burned indelibly in people's brains 
and they're going to think, ha ha, remember that time at that conference where somebody said blah, blah, blah. No, that's not going to happen. Nobody's paying attention yeah. and most people don't care. In um, fact, I think if, if you stop to correct a mistake or you stop your presentation or your speech to, to go back and fix it, it almost calls more attention than if you just kind of plow through because yeah. you know, it's almost, you're almost like highlighting the error rather than just saying, you know what, we all make mistakes. But also having a sense on. of humor about it and being able to poke fun at yourself and laugh yeah. at yourself goes a long way. And I think it just makes people more endearing to others. Um, you know, the people that work that I enjoy getting along with the best aren't necessarily the smartest or the highest achieving or whatever, but they're the ones who are kind of laid back and um, are willing to just kind of put themselves out there and make themselves more vulnerable and not care so much what other people think. Going back to, you gave you gave some advice for your kids, but what advice would you give to the younger self, the younger version of you, other than maybe try to marry better? <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Is it the same advice? Probably, might be. I think it probably is. I was talking with our son Peter earlier um, about how I kind of put myself on a path at a pretty young age, and I like where the path led me. I have a great deal of life satisfaction. I would not go back and change anything, but I wonder sometimes if my aim was not low, but like if my scope was too small or I didn't cast a wide enough net or something in that vein where maybe I could have really enjoyed a different career path if I had just given myself permission to explore that or had faith or confidence in myself to check something else out instead of putting myself on a rail, you know, so early, you know, and the rail I put myself on has been a great fit for me, for our family. I have no regrets. I think my career path has been great in many, many ways. Um, but I also think I would have loved lots of other things had I been, you know, cognizant that maybe other paths would have been equally available or attractive or attainable. Yep. This has been great. I appreciate your time. Anything else you want to add? Mm. No. We both, we both <laughs> learned through this recording that you can't have dogs in the room while you're recording because all they want to do is either get in or out of the room. <laughs> True. So, uh, so we live and learn. Anyway. All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome. You can uh, subscribe to Not Immortal wherever you follow normal podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere. Uh, follow me. I'm uh, Jerry Gerard at Jerry Gerard on Twitter. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you next time.